Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Daniel Gallen and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Welcome into this edition of the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn State Health. Dustin Hawkinsmith here, alongside Daniel Gallen, for our weekly edition of the Blue White Breakdown. You've uh, maybe heard from Bob Flanders and David Jones already, but obviously the big news uh, of the week was something that we've been anticipating for over two months. But certainly since James Franklin, after the Rutgers game, said Tuesday, Tuesday is the day we should have some more, which was a very strong indication of what ended up ultimately trans, uh, transpiring. Uh, James Franklin gets extended. He gets a pay raise. We're looking at 10 years, roughly $70 million plus, but with a lot of different gray area, as there tends to be on any of these contracts. Daniel, what, what was your um, feeling as you're looking through maybe just specifically the terms of, of this deal and some of the some of the finer points of it beyond the dollars? Uh, and then we'll touch on, you know, whether this is or isn't great for both sides, because if you ask if you poll fans, it's pretty, it seems pretty close to 50, 50. Some love it. Some don't so much. Yeah. I think the the fan reaction has been really interesting to kind of process. I think that the fact that things kind of got strung out a little bit where last week there was a report that he told the quarterback club, the state college quarterback club that he wasn't going anywhere. Then on Saturday, he says, I'm not going to talk about that until Tuesday. Let's talk about it Tuesday. Then Tuesday comes and as news conference, he says, uh, maybe, maybe Wednesday night, maybe Wednesday night. I can't, I can't talk about anything now. Um, and then on top of that, there was the question where, uh, as kind of stemming off that, where it was, do you want to be, do you even want to be the coach next year? Is this something that, that you, you want? And he even kind of punted on that with kind of a, a stock answer, but around 4 30 uh, PM on Tuesday, we finally got the answer. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday morning. Uh, Franklin is scheduled to talk Wednesday, late Wednesday afternoon after practice. So we'll finally get um, his his thoughts on the matter um, with everything. But I think that the one place that you stand, um, obviously, the the years, 10 years, that's a long time um, that catches your eye. Obviously, the raise up to $7 million a year in the guaranteed annual compensation. I think when you factor in retention bonus, life insurance loan, it's $8.5 million a year. Obviously, that's a pretty eye-catching uh, chunk of change just in general. But I think beyond that, you got to look at the buyout. That's kind of the topic of conversation. That is kind of what will keep James Franklin here, what could cause someone to come in and get him. So start with the buyout. I have the contract open on my screen right now. Uh, so the buyout, um, Dave Jones told me, you always got to explain the buyout. Some people don't know what the buyout is. Um, so the buyout would basically be if a team, say, or a school, say, USC, would want to come in and hire Franklin away from Penn State, they would owe X amount of money. So right now, uh, the new contract will start, I believe, January 1st. And until 
April 1st, it would cost a, a school or an NFL team $12 million. After that, through New Year's Eve 2022, drops to $8 million. 2023, $6 million. And this is where it gets interesting. In 2024, 2025, it's down to $2 million. And then 2026 through the end, it's $1 million. So that was something that caught my eye because that's a very steep decline. Uh, I believe Franklin's buyout this year was $4 million, And that was a low enough number to have kind of the the USC buzz, the LSU buzz, a tiny bit of Florida buzz um, at the end. So I think that that's something to watch when it comes to um, you know Franklin's time here. I think that it kind of locks him in through that 2023, maybe into 2024. But depending on what kind of success they have, we could be having this conversation again in, in three years. I would be very surprised if we weren't having this conversation then, unless the trajectory of James Franklin's career or Penn State's program or things really fall off a cliff or whatever. This deal is positioned for James Franklin to go through the same routine that he's been going through, which has been it's so interesting because I'm certain that between the leadership council and his communication with Sandy Barber and the administration, you know, what they're talking about behind the scenes is very different than what's unfolding, you know, in front of us, which is keeping that interest alive and never shutting it down, which leads to the speculation, which leads to, to fans getting upset about this. And I think it's just, it's fallout from it. You know, there, there's um, collateral damage from, from not coming out and saying, I am committed to Penn State University because he needs to maintain whatever leverage he's got. And this was, this was the end result. But definitely with the buyout numbers, you know, when it gets down to $2 million and $1 million, it might as well be zero at that point in time. You think about how silly these contracts are getting. And, and it really reminds me of, um, trying to sign starting pitchers in baseball, trying to sign quarterbacks in football. The lid will continue to be lifted over these next few years. And probably in two to three years, $7 million per year isn't going to sound like all that much. Whoever signs the next deal in the Big Ten, whichever coach is established, it could be P.J. Fleck for all we know. Whatever established coach signs next, there's a good chance he makes a really good run at that $7 million or 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 even tops it. So I think when you're looking at the money, I mean, it's it's a lot of money, but it's only going to continue to grow. To me, it was just with, with the buyout, we're going to be back in this spot. And whether we, you know, maybe circumstances will change and, and we'll more seriously entertain the idea of James Franklin leaving for uh, USC or LSU or some of those other programs. But in my eyes, I never really viewed those things as a threat. It certainly looked like, and James Franklin even mentioned, uh, what do you say, nine weeks ago in his quote, mm-hmm. nine weeks ago, the administration came to me to talk about this. And that's roughly, what was it, a week after um, USC became open. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the timing is always, it, it's kind of funny. Those, the, the quotes in the press release were pretty, a little bit more revealing, I think, than you usually see um, when it comes to a press release providing that sort of specific timing. Um, and then there was the quote that mentioned the name image likeness, uh, making strides with facilities, which seems to be the the big sticking point. And we can get to that later, but when it comes to the buyout, the the flip side of it is if, like, I think it's a fine contract. Like you said, the numbers are only going to go up. Um, it's only going to get more expensive. I mean, if James Franklin's annual value is around eight, eight and a half million dollars, I mean, Mel Tucker, after two years, the the rumors are $9.5 million. So this is in like, this is in the neighborhood. I think it's fine. 
um, especially where Franklin has gotten this program, kind of the, the level of stability, the level of consistency that we've seen. I think it's fine. I think the one thing that you do need to be concerned about is that he is 11 and nine over the past two years. Uh, you just gave him this deal um, and you can't really get out of it. It's pretty structured so that Franklin can leave or someone can come in and help Franklin leave. But Penn State can't really move on because the buyout to fire him without cause is the number of years left on the contract, basically times $8 million. And so this is a, a $10 million or this is a 10-year contract. So the buyout on Penn State's end doesn't really become manageable for seven years, eight years. At the same time, we did see Florida, you know, Florida, LSU, they backed up the truck. Uh, I guess even USC, they backed up the truck to get rid of their coaches. And so anything's possible. This is some funny money. This is stupid money. I was doing this last night where I kept writing like $8 million. This is, oh, this nice little $100,000 incentive. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of money, actually. Um, But I think that that's kind of the thing is that if Penn State kind of descends to a level of mediocrity, then things could get a little dicey. Uh, things could get a little stuck. I mean, we kind of saw what happened at USC uh, when they stuck with Clay Helton. But when you look at the recruiting class, given when you look at kind of the track record before last year, I think that Penn State will be in that 9, 10, 11 win range. And when you're in that range, there's going to be interest. So 2023, 2024, I think that that's when this is going to kind of fire up again. Well, I mean, here's the big question that everybody's trying to wrap their head around. So I'll ask you, um, is Penn State correct in making that level of commitment to this particular football coach? You know, I think just going back to 2014, but looking at where things are now, I mean, is he the right man for the job? Taking Let's take away from the fact that, you know, any co- any program that removes a coach like James Franklin and is trying to start from scratch is not an enviable place to be in. I don't think anybody, you know, nobody with, with a solid coach at the very least is really trying to start from scratch, especially when surely when James Franklin sits down at the table and says, you know what, if I go look at 2022, look at what's happening in 2023, look what else is going if I go. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of it where it's, you're kind of, this is prioritizing a little bit of the, the short, 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 short-term uh, stability with kind of how the buyout is set up. It keeps this this 2022 recruiting class together. Uh, 2023 is off to a pretty good start. And if these groups are as advertised, when you get to that 2024, uh, 2025 range, then you sh- should be seeing kind of the, the fruits of that labor um, a little bit. So making this now, making this commitment now, I mean, kind of feels like that that you have to, if you want to keep this together, if you want to keep this on the tracks, um, there is the interesting dynamic. And I think Dave Jones has wrote about this a little bit last night. Uh, when you look at Eric Barron is now going president, Sandy Barber's contract is up soon. There's going to be a lot of upheaval there. And then suddenly the football coach is kind of the, the steady through line there when that's usually not the case, given how academia and athletic departments work. Usually president gets to pick the athletic director then the athletic director gets to pick the coach that's kind of the there's always those conversations where when there's like a lame duck athletic director potentially making a coaching change and then there's always a lot of upheaval when it comes to those things so 
that's kind of another another dynamic to look at from I guess more of like the the higher education side. But I don't know. I mean, I think it is it is interesting. Also, I got distracted when you were asking me that question because uh, Penn State basketball uh, got a commitment. The uh, the bat signal tweets went out. So always always something going on. It's it's been a lot busier of a week before Thanksgiving than we would uh, normally expect to have. Well, and and along those lines, um, we're sitting here. We usually record this on Thursday, and it goes up on Friday because of the Thanksgiving holiday. We're here on Wednesday. That went out. Also, we learned. Um, I think Sean Fitz was first uh, from Lions two four seven to to tweet it out. Uh, Tyler Rudolph, the safety, uh, what redshirt freshman? I believe without pulling up the roster, redshirt freshman safety um, is in the transfer portal. Um, Tyler Rudolph was moving on. I think he has seven tackles this year. We saw him briefly, but I think it looked like uh, when it comes to that rotation and what's going on with that, it just didn't look like he ever really cracked it. You know, you've, you've been waiting and waiting for, for him to, to show up and, and, and try to make an appearance and try to make his case. He hasn't really had much of a chance to make his case and he'll be opting to do that someplace else instead. Yeah. Rudolph was a, a registered sophomore uh, from oh, a third year guy from Connecticut. We saw him early in the year and he did get a decent amount um, of playing time. Um, I, f- I forget which he did have the, he did have a targeting penalty. I think that cost him some time. Um, and, I haven't really seen one. him since. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he got those first four games, and he seemed like he was in that number three safety role. Uh, I think more of kind of like the the deep safety, uh, as opposed to Jonathan Sutherland, who was more of the um, you know, more of a, a box safety. But Rudolph entered the year as kind of that number three safety, and he had that edge on Keaton Ellis, who was making the transition from cornerback. Um, but Rudolph obviously disappeared uh and that gave keaton ellis a chance and now there will be be some changes back there and there are a number of safeties in this 22 or number of potential safeties depending on which which side of the ball they play on uh coming in this 2022 recruiting class and it'll be interesting to see with that 22 class how something like that how the how roster numbers dictate uh what penn state ends up doing you know i don't think you ever just like if, if you're a pro team and you're in the in the draft and you're picking somebody based on need, uh, that's not where you want to be. Uh, but Penn State, you know, they do have a, a pretty good history recently of moving guys around based on what their needs are and finding the, the intersection between what their roster needs are and what they really feel like developmentally um, these guys are best suited to do. So I think first and foremost, when you look like, look at, uh, you know, Flowers and you look at, you know, Christian Driver, they will make that decision based on how good they can be at their what where their future is brightest. But it'll be interesting to see because obviously you're losing John, Jaquan Brisker. We don't know yet. James Franklin was asked about Jair Brown this week. We don't know yet um, what the situation is going to be with him. Uh, and now you lose Tyler Rudolph. So there will be needs for safeties for sure. Yeah, the the Jair Brown situation is is a little interesting. That was that was my question uh, yesterday and. I think that you you read between the lines there. Obviously, you want to give the the player you want to give you want to give him the chance to kind of announce the decision, uh, make it on his own time. But he's a senior. He was one of I believe four or five seniors uh, that did not walk uh, on senior day, um, and he played in the game, so he was there. Um, so I think that you can kind of read between the lines there. And I think that he has the chance to kind of do the, do the brisker thing where you come back for that third year. Um, and you were already a pretty good player. 
you know, Mel Kuyper had him in his top 10 safeties. I hadn't seen him really on any other big boards, but you come back, you get the chance to, to boost that draft stock again. And I believe he's on the younger side. So he'll turn 22 in January and then be 23 for the 2023 draft, um, which obviously, you know, we talked about the age thing last week. Um, so that helps with his upside. And it helps. And it's interesting with uh, with Brisker and Dotson both coming back for that extra year, already being pro prospects, but building on that in a big way. I just wonder how that sets a certain precedent or tone for other guys who are in similar positions. And Penn State's going to have quite a few of them, including Jair Brown. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Let's talk about Michigan State real quick. Um, last few minutes. There is uh, a game this, game this weekend. There is a game this weekend. It doesn't feel like it. It is one of those things, you know, um, sputtering might be a good way to put Michigan State and Penn State knows what that feeling is like to the point where Penn State will be going out there as long as the point spread holds up as a small favorite. I saw Bill Connolly's SP plus predictions for this week had it at, at something like 26-22 or something in favor it's of three three point game 26-23. Yep. So um so there is an expectation here that you know, even though Michigan State has that number 12 ne- next to their name, which, by the way, I can't really think of a stranger year in terms of ranked teams being underdogs and unranked teams because Nebraska, Iowa is a, is a weird line where I think Nebraska was favored. And even though they're, you know, they've only got three wins. So it's just a strange year. And this is another strange matchup just based on the timing of how things are going. I think the sentiment out there might be that. The worst is behind Penn State. They've gone through their their battle stretch. Every team goes through a stretch where they got a battle for a few weeks. Penn State's done that. Michigan State looks like they're in the midst of theirs, including a bunch of injuries that that are key that could um, really dictate how this game goes. Yeah, I am personally, from a, a spectator perspective, I am very bummed about the number of injuries that Michigan State has. Uh, Kenneth Walker is working through something, and then the two talented wide receivers, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor, <clears throat> excuse me, have both had kind of their, their own issues. And I'd really liked what I'd seen from Reed um, in the early parts of the season when I was able to watch Michigan state. So, yeah, I mean, both of these teams are in some interesting points. I mean, <laughs> Dave Jones used, has used the word firebombed uh, to describe what Ohio state did to Michigan state uh, last week. And that was certainly something where when we were in the press box at Beaver stadium, you're refreshing it and you're just like, wait, what? CJ Shroud has, has thrown for how many yards? How many touchdowns? Um, and he's thrown so, how many incompletions? Three <laughs> for the game? It's nuts. And so I think that it'll be interesting to see. I've, I've liked what Mel Tucker has done as a, as a coach there, especially what he stepped into when, when he stepped in there. They took the leap a lot quicker than anyone expected. Um, they really did hit on the transfer portal stuff. Um, so... I think that Michigan State will be up for it. I don't necessarily think that they're gonna that last week will carry over into this week. Um, but at the same time, I have a hard time ignoring those injuries. 
It's it's tough to ignore. It's also tough to ignore. I mean, the biggest weakness in this game. I mean, the biggest strength in this game might be a healthy Kenneth Walker the third, if that ends up being the case. The biggest weakness is on Michigan State's side as well with that pass defense, which Penn State Penn State does have a chance to exploit that. Yeah, I think that the when you look at the if he's healthy, I think Kenneth Walker would be the best player in the game. Uh, the best unit in the game, I think, is the Penn State defense. And then I think the worst unit is obviously that Michigan State defense, especially the pass <laughs> against the pass, like dead last in the in the nation. And then like the second worst team is 33 yards better uh, when it comes to uh, yards per game allowed, which is pretty wild um, when you think about it. So that's kind of what stood out to me. If you want my score, full disclosure, it's early in the week. Uh, I filed this at 1.30 on Tuesday. Obviously, there was a lot going on uh, yesterday. So I went I went Penn State 31, Michigan State 20. That's a lot of points. That would be the most points scored by Penn State. I mean, Penn State scored 31 against Maryland, but they had the, the pick six mixed in there. Um, but I think that this will be a game where it'll be 24-17, uh, 24-20 at some point in the fourth quarter. Um, and then Michigan and then Penn State kind of pulls away late. Um, I think that we'll see some big games from Jahan Dotson, Keandre Lambert Smith, Parker Washington. Uh, if Sean Clifford is closer to full strength, I think that he'll be able to to do some things. And I think that the injuries on Michigan State are probably a little too much. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if if Michigan State pulled it off. So it's a very it's another uh, pretty non-committal uh, pick from me here in Week 13. You gave a score. I don't have a score yet because I haven't written my prediction out, but I would tend to believe that number one, Penn State's defense will travel for this one. Obviously, Kenneth Walker the third. That's a that's a big var- a huge variable as as we approach game time. Um, not knowing whether how how close to health he he will be, but I think Penn State will have his way um, in the passing game, and I think the defense will show up again, whether Walker is in there or not, and and do a pretty good job. So I do have Penn State winning it too, but. College football is a wild ride, and we'll see what happens. Penn State looking for eight and four. It will feel a lot better to wrap up the regular season at eight and four than it would be at, at seven and five. I think there's a huge difference between those numbers. I also think that you have two of the most interesting coaching names in the nation right now. Uh, talking about uh, a big extension on Mel Tucker's side and receiving one uh, it, at a time where you know people are questioning, does James Franklin really deserve it? I think both of them are portraits of of looking at the big picture and identifying in that light whether this coach can or cannot position your team for excellence on the football field. James Franklin, over the course of eight years, has proven a bunch of times that he has been able to do that. So Penn State looking beyond what the last two seasons look like. And certainly Michigan State, if that 10-year, $95 million deal that has been reported comes to light – they're looking beyond what's going on at this present moment, especially 56-7 uh, to Ohio State. So we'll see. It's the it's the overpaid coaches matchup uh, in this one. Penn State, Michigan State Saturday. That's Daniel Gallon. I'm Dustin Hockensmith for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Check out Daniel on Twitter on Saturday and all season long, all off season long, at Daniel JT Gallon. Check us out at PennLive.com slash Penn State Football and download us. The Blue White Breakdown is everywhere you can find podcasts. So check us out there as well. Thanks for tuning into this edition, and we'll see you next time on the Blue White Breakdown. This is the Blue White Breakdown.